0: Welcome to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3, that's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So we can change the doggone world, of course. Now, join me for the journey, will you? Listen, what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about why on earth people buy ripped jeans instead of regular Wrangler jeans. No, that's that's not it. We're actually going to be talking about selling. As in the Sullinger Group. My guest today is my buddy, my dude, my friend, Victor Antonio. What's happening, my friend?
1: Number three. Great to be here with you, man. Always a pleasure, man. Good to see you again. Last time we saw each other, uh, I believe you did not have that Santa Claus thing going on with your chin. (laughs) Uh, So you look, look, like I said, I I believe that thing has added some IQ points to your look, man. So well done. Well done, beard. Good beard. Well, I think my wife agrees with you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Awesome, man. Well, listen, you are a professional, you are a speaker, and you've got some wisdom nuggets to drop for us today. So let's start out. What is the Fantasmical Pro Speaking business tip that you brought with you for this episode?
1: The big one, it's gonna be be two parts, but it's really one. One is that if I give you the obvious one, is to create content, Mm. right? That's the create a lot of content, generate some inbound leads. That's how I generate a lot of my business. Well, let's just say I generate 100 percent of my business that way. But the thing that really connects with the audience is that you got to be authentic. And I, I know everybody hears the word authentic. Here's what I mean by authentic: people want you to talk straight to them, Robert. Yeah. You know what I mean? And too often, many speakers just speak in very I call it vague terms, and and aren't as real as they should be. And I think people are craving real these days. They want some direct talk. I'm not talking about being rude, you know, being um, you know grotesque in any way, or, or you know, just offending people. I mean. Just say it, man. Yep, And really connect with people. I think that's the biggest tip I give to people.
0: Fantastic. So before we get to selling with Victor Antonio, let's hop on over to the Speakernomics voice mailbox. Let's do it. All right.
1: Whenever I speak and I'm wanting to create more audience engagement, One
0: thing I like to do is ask an individual in the audience about a personal experience that they had. I make sure to ask questions that help us illustrate and walk through the experience as I feel like this offers a sort of human element to the topic at hand. Excellent. Fantastic response. Do what you got to do to grow your business. Do me a big old favor, share your thoughts. As soon as you hear the question at the end of today's show, we want you to head on over to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail That's speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail to answer the question and we'll get it on an upcoming show again. And I don't want you to forget, so I'm going to repeat it. One, two, three. Get on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. All right, let's get into it. My guest, Victor Antonio, this is a smart friend of mine. He's one of my smart friends. He actually has an engineering degree. OMG. And he's a sales trainer. He's the author of 14 books. And he had this fantastic show on Spike TV called Life or Debt. D-E-B-T. Get out of debt. Victor, my friend, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Robert.
1: Always a pleasure to be here with you, man.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about selling today. So let's let's start with the easy question. First of all, your, the name of your company is the Sellinger group? Is that re- yep. related to selling, or is it just, you know, was your grandmother named Sellinger? Uh, well, well- uh. What's the, what's the score, the scoop there?
1: Robert, I did not, you know, a, a lot of speakers uh, use their name for the company, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and I like Victor Antonio Inc., you know, Victor Antonio Incorporated, Victor Antonio whatever, man, international. I'm like, that sounds too arrogant. <laughs> and then I met this guy named Richard Sellinger, and I go, Sellinger sell, It has the word selling and E-R. Yeah, selling. Yeah. And I was looking for a group name, because I, I I was, at the time, I was thinking we're going to hire other speakers and bring them under my group. Yeah. And so the selling Selinger, group was formed. And that's how I chose a name. I need a name that wasn't me. And then in the future, I decide to sell all my assets, like my online academy and so forth. It isn't attached to my name. It's attached to your group name.
0: I love it. That's a, a little tip for some of you who thought we were joking. Mm-hmm. At first, it's a serious business tip. I love it. Absolutely. Excellent. So let's let's jump a little further. For those of you who are members of the National Speakers Association, if you're planning on attending Influence this July at Rosen Shingle Creek Hotel in Orlando, Florida, in July, July 15th through 17th, I believe it is, you're going to see Victor Antonio as one of the keynote speakers on main stage. So, Victor, can we get a quick preview, maybe three lines? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about?
1: I'm talking about how the Internet... Pre-internet, people sold a certain way. You the you, the seller had all the information, buyer didn't have any. Fast forward, we have the internet. Clients now have a lot of information, which means you can't pressure them. Mm-hmm. So I asked myself a different question. Instead of how to sell, I said, how do they buy? And if I know how they buy, I can sell to them more effectively.
0: Wow, okay. So essentially, I'm gonna steal what you told me before the show. You're talking about why people buy. Correct. So. Is is there one core thing inside of that? Is there one core driver that that we can look for in in the buying process or in the selling process? I'm going at this from the whole prospect of, you know, you have NLP and you have all of these different selling uh, methodologies, and they tell you to look for this this one thing. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Not really. I mean, you know, it's interesting because NLP, I used, to, I used to laugh at NLP, Neuro Linguistic yeah. Programming, like, ha, 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 that's like witchcraft, right? Because I didn't believe it. <laughs> and because there was really no hard data. Yeah. But what they're, what they're finding now is that, you know, through are using fMRI machines, where they're looking at brains, you know, inside your brain, that some of this stuff actually does work. Yeah. If I were to say, what is the core concept of finding the why and how people buy, is that you can go anywhere in the world, which I've done. And at the end of the day, everybody has the same brain. It works the same way. Here's the key. There's an equal amount of certainty and anxiety in making any decision. Mm -hmm. Equal amount of certainty and anxiety. I teach people how to increase certainty and reduce anxiety. Wow. And if you can do that, people will make a buying decision.
0: Wow. So is that in any case? Because there's some decisions that are more emotionally charged Mm -hmm. than, than others. If there's something where a family member is in a desperate situation, Mm -hmm. there's a more emotion tied into that. But if there's something where somebody is not even paying attention to that, you know, I don't need sneakers, but there's a guy on the street selling me sneakers. Mm -hmm. What is the emotional tie in or how does your concept affect
1: show up with regard to emotion? Well we gotta be real here, man. If you don't need a pair of gym shoes, you don't need a pair of gym shoes, right? Right. So so the first thing you have to do is create the sense of awareness. Do you really need one? Maybe. Mm-hmm. That's the first step, right? Do I need it? I think so. And then, well, how bad do I need it? Create a sense of urgency, right? Yeah. All right. Even if I need it and there is a sense of urgency, is now the right time to do it. Right. So all those variables play in when I, when I look at selling, by the way, the emotional piece is always involved in any part of selling. Right. It's because your brain, there's that, that part of the brain, you know, that you ever, you ever hear a fight flight, right? Fight flight. Yep. We always hear that, but nobody ever talks about the third part, which is freeze. Do nothing. Yep. And believe it or not, most deals are lost because the client freezes. Now, let me think about it. Let me get back to you, Robert. Let me talk to my husband. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to my wife, right? Let me talk to the committee, my boss, whatever it may be. And so what I say, why is it? And here's an interesting stat. I think you might find this interesting. They did a cross-sectional study. On average, you'll win 40% of your deals, right? Mm-hmm. Different industries on average, you'll win 40% of your deals. You'll lose 60%, obviously, simple math, right? Here's the question for the audience. Where did that 60% go that you lost? The majority of people right now are thinking, well, Victor, that's obvious, the competition. Mm-hmm. Well, what they found is when they looked at the 60%, only 20% went to the competition, 40% went to no decision. Wow, 40% went to no decision. So then let's look at no decision. So in other words, your real competition isn't your competition at 20%. Your real competition is the 40% who make no decision, freeze, why? Because somewhere in your presentation, you didn't increase certainty or you didn't reduce anxiety or both. And that's what I mean about, how do you get people to kind of pull the trigger and make a buying decision? So let's say I'm the person, I think I need a pair of gym shoes. You, I've sensed the urgency, but I'm still going, I don't know if now's a good time. Mm-hmm. But if I can increase your certainty or reduce your anxiety and show you that now is a good time, you'll buy. So what do
0: you say to speakers who, who don't want to lean into some of that? Because one of the challenges, we don't want to be salesy, we don't want to be pushy. Somebody has, you've gone through your sales presentation with them and they're at that no decision mm. standpoint do you do you just kind of continue to follow up with with follow up emails how do you get to that place of not being salesy with what you do
1: First of all, to, to avoid the salesy piece is that you have to understand value. Mm. People who tell me, well, Victor, that feels a little salesy to me. They don't know their value. Right. Because if you knew your value, if you knew how I could help, if I'm offering a product, this black box I'm holding in my hand, I can't see it through the, through the audio here, but I'm holding this invisible black box. Right. I know this black box can help you, Robert. Now, if I'm selling you hard on this, it's because, Robert, I truly believe this can help you. Listen, Robert, listen to me. This can help you, right? That's my mindset. I don't do that, but that's my mindset. I don't care about coming across sales. I don't need to, because what I'm doing is I'm coming across as empathetic and in earnest Mm. dude. I know this can help you. Here's why I really, and you're going to feel that. You're going to feel that, that sense of honesty that says, man, he really believes this can help me. If I believe my speech as a sales trader, can help a company grow their business, increase their revenue, close more deals, shorten their sales cycle, then I sell with that type of passion. I don't feel salesy at all. I'm, I'm selling because I really believe in the value I'm delivering. Right. So often when people say, oh, I feel a little unsure of myself. No, you're not ins- unsure of yourself. You're unsure of the value you deliver. Yeah. That's where people get it wrong. Right. So, and what happens is now let's get back to the presentation. You're doing a presentation and some people just, you've seen this, Robert, they just do the presentation. Me, I go in there with intent. My intent is to get to the end of the presentation and ask for a commitment question. In other words, to get you to buy or at least advance the sale to the next step. Right? Right. Now ask yourself this, if you're listening, especially, how much time and effort did it take you to get in front of that person? Let's say you, it's five emails, you know two phone calls, and boom, finally you get the meeting. You've invested, I'm exaggerating here for effect, four to five hours just to get in front because you had to drive to the location and you got to drive back home after and you're going to have an hour, two-hour meeting. Right. That's at least four hours right there, plus all the machinations you did with email, voicemails, video calls, whatever it may be, just to get there. You've invested five, six hours. I don't know about you, Robert, but if I've invested five or six hours and I'm in front of somebody, mm-hmm. I'm going for it. I'm going there with intent. Now, if I know why I'm going there, I know how I can help you, Robert. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to glide into that presentation and I'm going to land that plane nicely and I'm going to ask you for a commitment. Yeah. And a lot of people like to practice a lot of closes. I always tell people, I only got one close. That's it. Is there any reason we shouldn't get started? Yeah. Is there any reason we shouldn't do this? That's it. No, you know, remember that Bruce Lee saying, I'm not afraid of a man who practices one kick or what is it? 10,000 kicks one time. Right. I'm afraid of the man who practices one kick. 10,000. 10,000 times. I love it. Well, dude, I only got one close and I've practiced that. So when I get there, it sounds beautiful, natural. It's like bringing in a plane. I just landed gently. Yeah. And they're going to say yes, no, or let me think about it. Yeah. So let's dig into like
0: personal feelings here. It's easy to be passionate and really believe in something if it comes from you and from your heart. Maybe it's something that you created. You're creating content. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about sales trainers or if we're talking about speakers Mm -hmm. who may be working for a third party company and you're delivering something that's not your own. Hmm. Where do you find that passion so that it doesn't come across the salesy way as we talked about before? How How do you develop that?
1: Hi, I'm Joseph with Leadership Books. If you are planning on attending Influence 2023 in Orlando this year, I would like to invite you to our official pre conference author summit hosted on site Friday, July 14th. If you are an aspiring or existing author that would like to take your platform to the next level, this is a must attend event. You will walk away fully equipped to sell more books and gain more clients. Be sure to get your tickets today at GetPublishedSummit.com. Did you know that speakers who could deliver their message and get laughs just get more referrals and bookings? I'm Mac Dryden, and I've written material for Bill Maher and The Tonight Show and many others where my job was to get laughs for other people, and I guarantee I can do it for you. I've been making people laugh since a passenger side airbag was your brother in law. Go to macdryden.com, that's Mac with a K, click on writing and see how I can make your speech a lot funnier, and you don't pay a dime until until you are thrilled.
0: Where do you find that passion so that it doesn't come across the salesy way as we talked about before? How do, how do you develop that?
1: Mm, that's a great question. So I'm gonna ask a question to you in the audience. In order to be successful in selling, should you love what you sell? Do you need to love what you sell? Yes or no, right? I'll get an answer. Whatever your answer is, hold that thought. Here's the reality. You don't need to love what you sell to be successful. You don't, I'll prove it to you. It's great if you love what you sell, but you don't need to love what you sell. Here's what you should love. You should love what it does for your client. Mm. Now let's pause on that for a second because I can sell a product I don't really love, right? I go, oh, it's a nice product. But what I really love is what it does for the client. Right. In other words, I can sell pools. I'm not crazy about selling pools. It's a whole concrete with some water. I can't get passionate about that. But you know what I love? Robert, when I sell that pool, I'm helping a family create memories for the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And man, that gets me excited. So if you can't find passion in the product or service you're selling, that's you're looking in the wrong place. The passion should be in what it does for other people. So that's,
0: I like that and I love where it's going. And I think as a sales trainer, somebody who gets hired by organizations to, to come in and teach people sales, are you teaching people techniques? Are you teaching them methodologies? Mm-hmm. Or are you ultimately teaching them how to love what they sell? Because that's not an easy thing to teach. What, what are you actually teaching them?
1: What's funny, it depends what they want, right? So I'm like a la carte buffet style when I do sales training. In other words, I tell clients, yeah. where are you struggling right now? And they'll tell me. Mm-hmm. But let's go with the broader question. Sometimes they'll bring me in and says, look, Victor, our sales process is not working. And for me, I'm like a mechanic. I'm like, like looking at a car, I'm going, all right, let's check the engine, let's check the plugs, let's check this, let's check that. Yeah. And we go through that you know, methodically. But one of the things I do in here to tie to the second part of it is on the mindset and the passion, i go explain to me your product and why i should buy it Mm -hmm. tell me you know and i wait for that for them to give it's funny how they choke on this one by the way yeah i said so tell me and he goes well because and they talk about the features the benefit advantage i said i got that i read the spec sheet i went. i went to your website i got that tell me why you sell this product yeah and nine out of ten robert can't answer that question wow we're missing that in the world of selling we don't take time to ask people why should you be passionate? Because everybody t- trains you on how to be passionate. You have to be passionate about what you sell. No, I mean, that's great. That's, let's call that the table stakes, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be able to do that. That'd be great if you could, but it's not a requirement. It, what's a requirement is that, do you understand the value it's delivering? I'm a fan of Ayn Rand, and Ayn Rand said the, the essence of capitalism is delivering value and receiving value. Mm-hmm. Robert, I'll sell you a product. I know it's going to help you grow your business and I should in fact receive value also known as a commission. That's value for value. When I'm selling something to a customer, I'm really focused on how's it going to benefit you? How's it going to, for example, if I'm selling a B2B company, right? Right. How's it going to increase your revenue, reduce your costs or expand your market share? And if I can't tie it to those benefits, then I'm going to have a hard time selling the product or service.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's apply some of this to the speaking industry. A lot of the speakers have they don't have a product per se, at least not something physical that they're offering. And you know, a lot of them are not coaches right. per se. They they have a program that they're offering and maybe they don't have a program, it's just just a motivational talk that they're offering. Right. How does a motivational or somebody whose product is a little bit more cloudy, right. it's not a physical thing, it's not as clear or tangible, how do you sell that more effectively to the
1: audience? All right. Let's, man, it's a great, we're getting good here. This is good. So let's break it apart into what can be quantified and what can't be quantified. For example, sales training can be quantified. Motivational speech in general, Woohoo! you're the best, you're the greatest, can't be quantified, right? Yeah. The sales training one is pretty easy, right? Right. If I can increase your close rate, your average deal size, shorten your sales cycle by X amount, I can prove to you that your sales are going to grow. Right. Kind of an easy one to do, right? But let's move over to the motivational space because that's why I see a lot of people struggle trying to sell their value. Well, Victor, I sell this speech. This is very inspirational. How's it going to change? You know, that whole thing. And so one of the things I try to tell people is that think about your buyer. Right. In other words, the booking agent. Let's be more specific. A lot of us use speaker bureaus. So let's go beyond the speaker bureau and let's go to the actual buyer, the client that's bringing you in they've got an event, Robert, mm-hmm. they have an event. First question I would ask is like, how many people do you got? A thousand people. Now it costs that company, a lot of money to get a thousand people in that room. Right. You know, so let's say on average, it costs them about a thousand bucks just to get everybody in the room. Okay. So that's a big number already. I can't do the math. A thousand times a hundred. Is that about a million somewhere in there? It's a lot of money. There's a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of money. Right. And so, what are they looking for? See again, this is where I think about what is it they want and what are they looking for. One is they're bringing a lot of people. This is a high stakes game they're playing, and what they want from you in terms of social proof is that you can deliver and make them look good. By the way, that's also what speaker bureaus want, also, right? Yeah, they want to make sure speaker bureaus have clients and they need to look good in front of their clients. Even when I'm talking to a speaker bureau, one of because the, they're all when they call me, they say, "Victor, I got an opportunity for you. Let's walk through it." Right, and I usually say, "Look." And again, I don't do as many motivational speeches anymore, but when I was doing motivational speeches, I said they had a thousand people coming in here. I said, again, I can do references or resources. Say, look, here are the last two, three companies that I've spoken for, and here's what they said. And here is the actual documentation. In other words, call them up. Here are their numbers, their contact. Or we get video testimonials. That's the best you could do because that's the only way to solidify some tangibility with how you perform. Yeah. Every speech is a performance. Yeah. So we have to give people the end result of that performance. And that's all they want. I can't quantify that if I motivate you, you're going to sell more because you and I know, Robert, that motivation is more of a momentary thing. Yeah. Everybody can walk away with one or two nuggets, but at the end of the day, at the end of 30 days, people forget 95% of what they heard. Yeah. Wow. But what you're really selling is a speaker bureau or the buyer that they're putting a thousand people in the room and you're going to be able to deliver a message to inspire, hopefully motivate them, but to make that event successful. And the only way to quantify that is by giving them social proof, which is re- uh, videos. That's what they want to say. By the way, that's the way I get most of my gigs. Yeah. Most people watch me on video to go, oh, there it is. right? And then give them some uh, references. That's the only way to really quantify motivation. Yeah. Let's
0: kind of segue just for a second and we're winding down here, but I got to get to this. Hmm. You during the pandemic, Hmm. like most speakers, you probably had some gigs canceled and you did not just sit at home and twiddle your thumbs. You turned your online space into a selling machine for you. Yes. What was the major thing that you did during that time to really keep business moving, but even change it mm. and and have people see you a bit a, a bit differently? What'd you do?
1: Well first of all I was scared. Yeah. Right. So let's let's begin there. So March twentieth, twenty twenty, I remember the day yeah. Georgia shuts down where I'm at, right? And I was like, that's not good. Yeah. Within a month, because I remember they said it was only gonna be for two weeks, right? But within a month, month and a half, yeah, I started getting all the cancellations. Robert, I lost about 90% of my business during the pandemic. So now I'm sitting at home, it's around May, right? And I go, what can I do? So I said, all right, let's revamp this room. I got here into a studio, got a beautiful digital board and I created this show called Sales After Dark. So three times a week I would go live for about half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour and just talk about one specific topic. And I was doing this without understanding or knowing Robert what the results were going to be. Right. I just knew I couldn't do nothing. Yeah. And what happened was for the first, I'll say 20, 30 episodes, it was like talking into the abyss, some <laughs> void. It was like nothing, right? It's like, you know, I get like, sometimes I would go online, only five people would show up, two people would show up. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm going, why am I doing this? Yeah. What a waste of time. But I go, no, I had committed to a hundred episodes, right? Wow! So I made that commitment. 100 episodes i know by the time i got to 2025 i'm like oh that was just a stupid commitment yeah. and i could have just stopped and let myself i said no we're doing 100. Uh, we wanted them doing like 105. something happened around the 40 50th episode wow people wanted some online stuff now right some virtual presentations and said hey we saw your videos you go on live we, the digital board game changed everything i told you this before we started yep. this board has made me so much money and it was the best whatever 2500 investment and all of a sudden people said, oh, we want to book you for a virtual event. Right. Let me run to the end here. By the time I was done, the end of the year, end of 2020, not only did I get my 90% back, I grew, I think it was 17.8%. Wow. So I actually grew, you know, because I kept getting all these virtual gigs. Uh, my point here is that I didn't know why I was doing it. I just knew I had to do something and I just invested in myself. I love that, I love that
0: take us to our question man we 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 have our guests asking a question to the audience at the end of our show so that they can ponder and they can go back into their minds and figure out what to do next how they can shift how they can change their business what's your question for our audience
1: all right so whether you're a speaker or presenter or just a salesperson you have to connect with your audience right Mm -hmm. and i have different ways of doing it but my question to you is what one thing Maybe two, I'll take those. But what one thing do you do in every presentation to ensure that you connect and empathize with your audience? And by the way, by audience I mean this could be one on one, I'm trying to close a deal. How do you do that to connect with your other person? Or when you're doing to a group. That's the question. I love it. What one thing do you do to empathize and to connect
0: with your customer, your client, your audience, your prospects, your suspects, all of them? What do you do? do? Excellent. Excellent. We want to hear from you. Make sure that you send us your responses, your thoughts by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Victor, my friend, it's been a doggone pleasure having you on the Speakernomics podcast.
1: Thank you for having me on. Dude, seriously, I mean, it's genuinely, it's a pleasure hanging around.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. What are you doing? How are you connecting? How are you reaching your audience? Are you putting effort into it? Are you committing to it? Are you doing one episode or are you doing 105? What is it that you're going to do to pursue your audience so much that you ultimately become connected with why they buy? As speakers, we've got to do that. We've got to pursue. We've got to be passionate. We've got to be sure about the direction that we're headed so that we can make a difference in the life of somebody else. It's your time, my friend. The world needs you. Somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve their problems. You know, the one that you solve with your message and your voice. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics, the podcast where you learn more about how to speak, get paid, Repeat. See you next time.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.